Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm podcast. This is Lee. Good morning to those of you that are listening to the morning and hello to everyone else, whatever time of day it is. I appreciate you listening today. It means the world to me that so many people are willing to listen to an unproduced, unedited, <laughs> unscripted, just uh, by the bootstraps talk about bees. This week I have gotten some really nice messages on Facebook that I've enjoyed so much. Um, people telling me where they are and where they keep bees and what they like about the podcast. If you happen to be on Facebook, I want to draw your attention to something someone shared with me. Um, it was, let's see, what is his name? Jim Sharp. So Jim Sharp shared a video that he took of a virgin queen, well, I think it might be a virgin queen, uh, piping. And that's the amazing sound that uh, virgin queens will make. And then I looked it up, and because uh, I didn't know if that was the only time they make that sound, it said that sometimes if a, when a queen is freshly released into a hive, like when a caged queen is released, she will do the piping. And then it said often that it was an indication there was more than one queen in the hive because my understanding is the virgin queens use this piping essentially to call each other to battle, I guess. <laughs> but this is the best video I have ever seen, both in the sound and, and being able to see her. She's walking around on a comb that's just started to be drawn and she puts her chest, what they do is they put their chest down to the comb and vibrate and make this piping sound. Um, it's really remarkable. The sound quality on the recording is great. The other thing that I didn't notice till I'd watched it a few times is when she makes that sound, all the bees around her just freeze, just freeze in place. It's a fascinating video, and uh, piping is an interesting sound. I remember the first time I heard it, can't remember what I was doing in a hive, but I thought, you know, what is that weird little, it sounded like a little duck quacking uh, in the hive. And at the time, I had no clue what it was. And later on, I found out that it is a sign of a virgin queen. And in that hive, probably what had happened is my queen had been um, superseded or swarmed, I can't recall, but the virgin makes that uh, very distinctive noise. And so I'd advise you, if you ever hear this little piping or uh, quacking noise in your hive, to just kind of stop and go, wait a minute, do I have my original queen? Um, do I have a brand new queen? Do I have several queens? All those are possibilities. And speaking of having several queens, an earlier video that I posted of my own um, on the Facebook page was a clump of queen cells that were on natural comb and a queen was just hatching out in my hand and I've, I've had this happen before when they were on the frame and I just happened to be holding the frame and looking at it and on a, a, a queen looking at a queen cell and out walks a young queen it's an amazing feeling um, the video that I posted, what had happened is I had done a cut down split, like I so often talk about, and um, in the original spot I had left three frames that I had marked that had eggs on them and I assumed the bees would make queen cells on them. Now mostly my bees when I do cut downs they'll make you know a couple, couple two or three 
cells on each frame that I leave in there. Well, these bees were overachievers, and so every frame had like five or six of the most gorgeous uh, queen cells. Um, that They were just huge and beautiful. Two of those frames were on plastic foundation, so I couldn't do much. You know, each of those frames is only going to produce one queen because at least with my level of um, cell cutting skills, I, I can't cut them off of uh, plastic foundation. So I took each of those and placed the frame in a slot of a queen castle. I think it was. It could have been some spare nuke boxes I had sitting around. And a couple frames of bees to go with them. In particular, I was looking for capped brood to go with them so that they would have a little entourage to make a quick mating nuke and hopefully they will go out and get their mating done. So I had two of those. But then the third frame happened to be on natural comb. Had no foundation whatsoever. And there were probably at least eight queen cells there were probably four or five of them in different groups so that I was able to cut them apart so I, I took the whole frame to my little workshop area and I was planning on cutting the cells apart uh, you know obviously you you cut around the queen cell you know not cutting into it in any way and then ideally if you can cut a little handle kind of on the top out of comb and then you can use that handle to sort of stick that cell onto a frame in a hive, in a queenless mating nuke or a small hive. Then, in theory, that cell will hatch out and she will go through the mating process. Well, what happened is, I had my scissors, was working on this, and they started emerging. Um, and just uh, the technical term is emerging, I believe. It is definitely not hatching, or as a good friend of mine says, and I just love it, queens being born, which just sums it up. <laughs> but um, I think emerging is the term, and hatching is the, the uh, shorthand. So please don't write me and tell me that hatching is not the correct term, because I actually do know that one thing, because I've been corrected on it so many times. But uh, so the queen started emerging. And it's really neat because um, somebody actually wrote in and said that usually it's not like they're, you know, cutting their way out of the cell right that instant. That usually they have already cut the hole in the tip end of the queen cell to come out. And this is something I pointed out in the video. It's really neat because there's three queen cells in my hand and you can actually see the perfectly round little hinged cap that they cut on the end to walk out of the very tip end of the cell. It's, it's hard to tell once that she can actually walk out and that cap will flip back closed and you can't even barely tell that the cell has been opened. So I've been fooled sometimes thinking I had a um, cell with a queen in it when it was empty. She was already out. But... The, the the first queen just walked out on the comb in my hand that I was cutting apart. And I was like, oh my goodness. <clears throat> so I walked into my workshop and I had some of those little plastic uh, Talenti containers, the ice cream. I had a whole pile of them because I love them to keep um, screws and nails in. <laughs> and so I grabbed up one that was empty and I put the queen in it. And then as soon as I did, another queen walked out of this clump. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I grabbed up another Talenti container, put the queen in it. And so by the end, I had about five Talenti containers, each with brand new virgin queens walking around in it. And I was like, holy crap, this was not, I don't have this many mating nukes set up. I'm not quite prepared for this. But of course, I tried to get prepared. And I'll tell you about that. But first, let me go back because I said what someone online told me was that often, the queens have cut their little hinged door to get out, but they are being held prisoner by the workers because the workers are hedging their bets and sometimes they will keep queens uh, prisoner essentially in their cells until the workers feel like they either have a good queen or I don't know if they hold them there until they come back. I'll try to find that out from their mating flight or not. And I've heard that some races of bees, I believe it's Russians, are are very prone to keep um, essentially trapped princess queens in, in their cells until they're ready for them to emerge. So here I was with my fresh little baby queens in their ice cream containers and I have to go out and scramble around to try to make up about five additional mating nukes that I had no uh, plan to make that day. <laughs> so I, I put, um, let's see, so I took in the original cut down, I, each frame they went in a mating slot or a mating nuke that I had prepared, I had mentally prepared for. My original plan was to leave one frame in the mother hive and I was going to cull the cells down to one or two because that was a huge a big hive and I did not want a bunch of after swarms coming out you know they will just swarm themselves down to nothing if you don't cull cells down or remove them in, in some way so that had been my plan I had was going to account for three frames with queen cells but as bees will so often do and completely surprise you so now I had a ton so I took one of the cells that um, actually I think I took two that had not emerged yet they were probably a little younger which may have may potentially mean a better quality queen because that would mean that the bees started with some younger larva or I guess they could have just started late but typically it's thought they start with the younger larva so I put two cells in the mother hive for them to hopefully get a queen off of. Now I have all my um, fresh emerged walking around uh, virgin queens in their ice cream containers to deal with. So I go out, I uh, set them in the shade obviously because they're in plastic and um, and I, uh, oh by the way I gave them all a little chunk of the comb that had some open nectar. I stuck a little chunk of comb because of course by now I'd cut that frame all to pieces in with each queen because they go right over there and and begin uh, uh, drinking it up so they're stashed for a few minutes and I went out to the yard and I'm like okay I'm looking around I gather up every nuke box that isn't in use I look around to see if I have any empty uh, queen castle slots which I didn't but I did have various little boxes that I'd use for things um, and I thought, okay, so I fixed them up. I tried, you know, went through my notebook, looked at other hives, tried to figure out, um, you know, who has some extra capped brood. In this particular case, uh, I got, I was able to get most of the capped brood out of that mother hive. They had plenty still. And um, so each one of them got about two frames of, uh, like one frame of stores and one frame of 
capped brood with the walking around bees and that's in the warm summertime you can get away with that that would lead to bad things in early spring uh, around at least around here but now you can get away with very few frames of bees and especially since in some of some of my little nucleus colonies because like I said I, it was just a grab bag of what I had available um, you know some of them were kind of semi-insulated and uh, uh, so I tried to put those together get those situated find new spots to put them because I didn't expect to have that many and we'll see what happens with those uh, virgin queens and I was delighted a listener again wrote on Facebook and um, and said that he had listened to the podcast about using swarm cells uh, to do little mating nukes and to get yourself an extra queen. And if you have time and everything goes right, it'll lead to an extra hive uh, to have if you raise up some queens. It's really once it's just it's a matter of practice. You know, you try it. I mean, definitely uh brand new beekeepers this is not for you yet next year you can do this <laughs> and um but second year beekeepers and people with more than several you know more than a couple hives that are mature hives this is something i do all season long and it's really fun and so as a result i have usually at any given time several little nucleus colonies sitting around building up with young queens which are really wonderful in case i have something go wrong with a hive or um or there's just a million reasons you might need a nucleus colony and it's um one of those things that you can hardly explain how useful it is until you have some that you can use it any time and you do and I, fi I find them particularly useful so I make up summer mating nukes and then I grow them into nuke size and just as I've made clear I think I don't particularly use nuke boxes I use whatever I have on hand and by the end of the next story that I'm going to tell you I was beginning to think I was about to start putting bees in shoe boxes but so I just use whatever I have the the key ingredients uh, um, you know they have to have an opening and a floorboard and a top and all that but the key ingredient is that they have some ventilation because there's not enough bees in there to really do good ventilation you don't want these out in the brutal sunshine um, the ones that I have in my main yard um, I put a little sunshade on I was telling a friend of mine it was something I learned in the hot sun of Arkansas that if I have a little hive that I just don't want to stress with hot sunshine and you know I'm up in the mountains of North Carolina so our hot sunshine that's it's it's nothing compared to the the down south sunshine but I learned this little trick where you essentially make an elevated roof to create a shade on a hive so what I would do is I would have like a spare queen excluder laying around that I wasn't using because I don't I only use them for kind of strategic reasons had one of those laying around uh, I used the plastic kind and then I had an old Varroa board one of those signboard like things laying around that at that time I did, wasn't using and so I made a sunshade I just put the queen excluder to give a little space between the top of the um, lid the top of the telescoping cover and the Varroa board I, so I put the queen excluder down and then laid the Varroa board on top and then put my rock on top of both of those and so what it does is it creates a little airspace between that shade the Varroa board and the top of the 
lit the the cover and so you don't have what would that be radiant heat transfer like where it just shines on it and warms up the surfaces and so that cools the roof of the hive down to air temperature versus in the sun temperature and it's a way to keep a small hive from getting too stressed by sun and I use this a lot with um, nucleus colonies and mating nukes that I feel like may be in more sun than is ideal then I'll give them a little sunshade and I've done this with you know a board laying around or any anything you come up with but the trick is to have some airspace between the shade and the roof and you really get a good cooling effect um, someone taught me this because out in the southwest I saw the I don't know what the real name of them is but on on sheds and I, I guess on homes too, but on sheds in particular, I noticed they would have like a tin roof. And then there would be two by fours on, on edge, uh, kind of rafter style. And then there would be another tin roof on top of that. And so basically it was like that top tin roof took the sun and then there was airspace, and then you had the actual roof of the shed. And so that creates this incredibly cool um, shed, <laughs> which was cool and makes sense out there. And But I used that in Arkansas to good effect, and now I'm using it in North Carolina whenever I feel like they may be taking um, too much heat for whatever reason. So there I was with my new little mating nukes. These are going to be post-solstice queens, so that tends to, um, there's some school of thought that those overwinter the best and come out in spring the strongest, and I was feeling pretty proud of myself when I came home on a Saturday afternoon, and there was a note on the door that said, it was from our postal carrier, and it said, I had your queen bees, but I needed a signature. And as you might, I went, what the heck? Except I didn't say heck. And so, you know, there it is. Of course, the post office is closed. Um, the carrier's gone. There's no way to contact anybody. And there was this order of queens. <laughs> and they're virgin queens from a, a, a breeder that I was interested in trying out. I ordered them a long, long time ago because in this particular breeder, uh, you have to get in line way in advance. And so I had done that, but then almost, a, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and we've had some a family illness going on, so I've been a little distracted, more distracted than usual. <laughs> and I had written this queen producer and said, you know, I need to defer delivery of these queens. They're virgin queens. Um, I, I just want to defer it till next year. If you'll just roll me over to your orders next year, which I've done many times with queen breeders before. And usually they're not upset because they have people standing in line waiting for queens, especially virgin queens, which are just less uh, investment on the breeder. They pretty much just take them out of the incubator and ship them off to you. Uh, I mean, after they, I'm not belittling at all the work about producing virgin queens. It's just a lot easier than producing mating queens. But anyway, so I had written and emailed, and I had noticed with this producer, which I'm not going to name right now, <laughs> that the communication I'd gotten through the mail had all been automatic. It was like the automatic newsletter, okay, I'm going to ship queens this month. And it had been totally unlike the other queen breeders who did really good communication. Um, 
Sam Comfort does really good communication on his queens, and Corey Stevens out of Missouri does excellent communication, has excellent queens, I might add. And um, But this one I really wanted to try out because they had some great lines, including uh, the ankle biters, the Purdue ankle biters, and that's, some, that's a genetic line I do not have in my yard. Uh, maybe I will soon. So anyway, I get this note from the post office, and I am just losing my religion because... I cannot, this order was supposed to be canceled to the best of my knowledge. Now, I go back and it's true in my forgetfulness, I had not verified that they had written me back. And of course, they had not. They actually hadn't written me back to a, a couple of attempted correspondence. And um, and so then I do another search in Gmail, which you know can, you you got a bunch of email. Um, anything automatic goes to your spam folder. And there in the spam folder from several days ago was a shipping notification. So the only word that I got from this queen breeder was a, an automatic shipping notification that went to my spam folder. And the person had actually, he had sent an email early on in the season that said, you know, hey, I use this XYZ shipping company, so look out for email from XYZ shipping company. That's not really it, but you know what I mean. Um, so that you will know when your queens are coming. And I had set up a search in my Google Gmail so that I could keep an eye out for this because my queens were supposed to be here in June back when I thought they were coming. Um, and anyway, the the name wasn't right. The name, the XYZ shipper was not. It was like XYP shipper. And so my search had not turned up. And so here I am. I know I have queens sitting at a post office over the weekend which is just infuriating because, yes, of course, I'd paid, you know, for the quick shipping per usual. I just have the worst um, postal karma. I don't know what that's about. but And I, and believe me, it's not just the post office. It's UPS. It's FedEx. <laughs> I think it's just because I live in the middle of nowhere that it, it things get weird out here. So to make a short story very long, because of misunderstandings now with the post office about where I was going to be versus where these queens were going to be. It wasn't until Tuesday morning that I actually laid my hand on the Virgin Queens that had been shipped on a Thursday, had first gotten to me on a Saturday, but I wasn't here because I didn't know I was supposed to be here, kept in the post office over the weekend, and then because I worked on Monday, I thought they would re-deliver, but due to the miscommunication, they kept them at the post office, so they didn't re-deliver. I get off work after the post office closes. Very, very frustrating. And somewhere in there, I just gave up. You know, I'm like, well, okay, I've just learned a very expensive lesson to maybe not use that queen breeder again and find those lines, you know, somewhere else. But I go to the post office, you know, expecting to just, I don't know, attempt to make an insurance claim on the sure-to-be-dead queens, the virgin queens, and um, open it up, and there they all are, all alive, including every single attendant bee. Usually when you get queens through the mail, some of the attendants, you know, have passed out, <laughs> croaked on you, but every single bee in the package was alive. And so now, as I just told you, I had just maxed out, I'd used everything that was readily available in my yard put these the other unexpected virgin queens in and now I have six additional virgin queens and I, I about three uh, VSH queens and three um, ankle biter queens and I could not believe it 
Luckily, I had a day off, and so I have never scrambled and made, you know, MacGyvered in the bee yard more than this day, because um, the shortcut I had with the cells from my own hive, I could use frames of bees right out of that hive and put the virgin right in there, which I did, direct release, and I, I'm, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, in fact, when I released the virgin queens from my own, you know, from their little ice cream containers into the hastily constructed mating nukes, it was really beautiful because she would walk out on the frame and instantly freeze. And the bees walked over to her and there was this tense moment. And then she kind of laid down a little bit, like kind of like a dog showing its stomach. She laid down a little bit on the bars and I was watching all this. And the bees started grooming and licking her, which I took as a great sign. Um, because what they do to bees they don't like is not gently groom and lick them. <laughs> and so, I, you know, so anyway, that made it easy. But here I was with strange virgin queens to my bees, you know, different lines. And sometimes the further apart the genetic line, the more difficult it is to introduce them. For example, like Russians are famous for being difficult to introduce because they are just different enough that the bees aren't even sure that, you know, they're not even sure that they're really bees. So they, they kill those a lot. But, um, and I, sh I should say there's just a very distinct step-by-step -step procedure that you have to follow and even then it's not completely reliable to introduce uh, Russian queens but with virgin queens there's also a very there's a step-by-step -step, like with virgin queens from a different bee source than your that own their own hive um, there's a, a, a sequence that you have to go through to successfully introduce them and Corey Stevens has um, on Stevens Bee Company, he has a good blog post on how to do that and it involves making a mating new, making it hopelessly queenless. But you have to get a seven day start on that. And did I have a seven day start? No. And on Saturday when I realized I wasn't going to get my bees, yes, I could have, you know, started mating nukes there and been halfway there by the time I finally got them on Tuesday. But I was already assuming that they would all be dead from that long stay, stay at the uh, rural post office. So, um, so there I was. <laughs> and so I went in my workshop. I put together mating nukes out of everything down there. I divided boxes with signboard and made entrances and um, stapled on some more signboard as bottom boards to make divided boxes. It, it's really ridiculous. I mean, it's really funny now that it's all done, but I was not in a good mood that day. <laughs> I, I was ready to share my mind with this queen breeder, and I will. I, I wanted to calm down a while before I write the letter <laughs> about the communication. The queens look fabulous. They were packaged beautifully. Obviously, they were packaged quickly um, because they were all still alive. But still, in my opinion, if you're going to sell queens, you know, you've got to take the time to actually communicate with your customer now and then. Every other queen breeder that I've ever gotten queens in the mail from, you know, there would be an email about a week out saying, hey, we're going to ship your queens next week. Does that work? And you say yes, and then they, they ship them. And this was the first time I'd ever had this happen. So anyway, I did manage to throw together mating nukes out of everything in my bee yard, in my workshop. I had the stapler, um, you know, the screwdriver. I was just making 
mating nukes out of weird stuff that happened to be in my workshop. So at the end, after it was all done, they were all um, set up. I managed to steal frames of um, mostly, you know, mostly frames of capped brood with the clinging bees from other hives. This is something you can only do if you have a whole bunch of hives because if you steal too much from any one hive, then that's going to be a setback from them. But I had lots of hives that were super full packed in the box and it didn't hurt them a bit to sacrifice uh, two frame, two medium frames of um, brood. And then, and, and the same with uh, stores. I could look around and find nectar frames, which are much more um, useful to little mating nukes because they can just eat it right up. Whereas in honey, is going to require honey frames are going to require water in order to dilute it down so they can um, use it. So anyway, got it all set up. I will let you know. Um, those were those were caged virgins. The other eight ball that they're behind is because of that long delay, and then they were still in the cage, so the bees have to release them. Now the release is, you know, the slow release with the little candy plug, in theory, is to make the bees, you know, more apt to take them when they get out. But with virgin queens, you know, that's an, it's an iffy thing. Um, at least on the other virgin queens I've tried to release from other breeders, I got about uh, two-thirds of them back and mated and with queens and it's a it's a pretty as I've said before it's a pretty cool way to try out new queen lines and to also get some new genetics into your yard the neat thing about getting a virgin queen or even better a um, a cell if you can get a queen cell from from other uh, beekeepers the neat thing is that when that queen comes back mated from your f place then already she's half and you know she or the offspring um, will be crossed with whatever it is in your bee yard and that way you can evaluate her I guess that would be an F1 cross um, you can evaluate her whereas if I buy a mated queen from a queen breeder and and that that was my the theme of my whole year this year was to evaluate queen lines and if I get mated queens, then it's really not at least until next year that I could evaluate how that queen line is doing in my overwintering um, conditions and also to, you know, see her through. But with since the, the bees already are crossed immediately, if they come back, that is, with um, the bees in my uh drone mating area then I, I consider it kind of like a supercharged uh, evaluation because I can quickly see um, how she's doing and then she and then already they're getting their first overwinter and let me back up the reason that mated queen so the first winter I can see how she's gonna do like how that pure line from wherever you got it is gonna do but then when I get daughter queens from her the following year then they're mated with my local stock and then you have to evaluate kind of all over again about how the cross is going to do because you can buy super duper queens that are just fabulous and use them but they once they cross with your bees the quality may go up or down depending and so then you're in the situation of either maybe the quality goes down if you don't have an improved stock in your area um, or if you're one of the you know most beekeepers or any area where there's lots of different stock in their area, so who knows what's going to happen to the cross, and you're going to end up 
um, kind of facing the decision of whether to just buy mated queens every year or two from a good this queen, good queen producer or whether you're going to try to do your own. So per usual, I've run on and on. You know, get I get to talking about queens, I get excited, I go on and on. And um, I'm one podcast behind, so the thing I hope to do next, if I remember this by the time I uh, record again, is I want to talk to you some about bee plants. And I'm going to read you that long-promised information from a book about uh, just uh, bee honey plants in the summer. And so plants are something, Once the more you get into bees, the more you will start thinking about plants. And I'll talk more about that later. Thank you, as always, for joining me for these just mental rambles in bee territory. It means so much to me that so many of you write and tell me that it's helpful. I thank each and every one of you who have taken the time to do that. If you want to contact me uh, on Facebook, the page is Five Apple Farm, three words, and you can l- send a message from there. Or if you do email, if you don't do Facebook, the Facebook is the easiest because then everybody's in one place. But if you don't do Facebook, you are welcome to email me at Blue Ridge. 714 at gmail.com. I tend to be much slower about answering email, but I really do get to it. I have a couple people that have written asking for the cut down split diagram, and hopefully today I will get those off to you. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week. Enjoy your bees, and I'll talk to you guys soon.